Welcome to The Fire Inside Her, the podcast where we explore the incredible stories of individuals who have discovered their inner fire on their journey to authenticity. I'm your host, Diane Schroeder, and I am so grateful that you are here. Hey, friends. Do you remember the group Salt and Peppa? I know, that's really an age check. I had the privilege of seeing them about five or six years ago, and they still have it. Other questions you may have that you want to ask me or a question about a guest that was on the show, awesome. Go ahead and head on over to thefireinsideher.com forward slash questions, and your question could be read on a solo episode. Okay, back to salt and pepper. When I was preparing for this intro to talk about today's show, the song that kept going through my head was Let's Talk About Sex. It's a fantastic song. And my guest and Belle and I talk about sex through the lens of being in middle life. Yes, sex is different in my 40s than it was in my 30s. My body is different, my hormones, life circumstances, and what I desire are different than it was when I was younger. The good news is that I'm not alone. Anne is direct and hilarious as she navigates the awkward conversations around sex and intimacy. And she also offers some actionable steps that you can use right away in your intimacy toolbox. Anne's journey into this field began in 1998 as a massage therapist, where she discovered the deep need to address mental, emotional, and relationship health in people's lives. Clients found solace in confiding in her during their sessions, and in 2012, she made the decision to formalize her commitment to their overall wellness. In 2020, Anne furthered her expertise by obtaining certifications in relationships, sex, and love coaching. Anne is here to remind women that our needs matter and we deserve an enjoyable, nourishing sex life. Just as a side note, Anne is not a certified doctor. I clearly am not a certified doctor. So if you have any medical questions, be sure that you reach out to a medical professional, especially when it comes to what medications and supplements and hormones, if any, you should be taking. All right, on to the show. Everyone listening right now, this is going to be such an exciting and passionate conversation about sex specifically about sex for women in the middle of life. And with us today is Anne Bell, who is a delightful love and sex coach who is currently combining her passion of massage therapy and being a sex coach together to talk all things that we probably don't talk enough about. Anne, welcome. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you, Diane. It's a pleasure to be here. Yay. I always start each episode with a random icebreaker question that usually catches my guests off guard. So my icebreaker question for you is, what is your favorite childhood dish for food? Grilled cheese and tomato soup. 
Timeless. It's timeless. <laughs> now, do you do anything fun with the grilled cheese or are you straight like American cheese? Sometimes no American cheese. Sometimes I will dip it in the tomato soup. Yes. Do you have a particular bread that you like? I'll do it on rye. If I'm going to the diner that, you know, you can never, usually you can never fail at a grilled cheese diner, you know, getting one at a diner. They're like usually the master's. But then I'll get it with French fries at the diner. And then I'll, um, yeah, American cheese with um, rye bread. That sounds delicious. I got crazy experimenting with grilled cheese not too long ago. And I came up with like a sourdough bread and a Gouda cheese with bacon and Granny Smith apples and some grilled onions. It was a bougie grilled cheese, but it was delicious. Couldn't have it with soup because it didn't, you know, flow. But my little man loves grilled cheese. It's his favorite. So we get to have it quite often. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> now that we've got the food conversation out of the way, I am curious to just jump right in. And my first question with you is, what happens to women's bodies when we start hitting perimenopause, menopause, and why does that impact our libido and our sex life? And is it purely, there's a lot of questions here, I apologize. Is it purely like our hormones or are there external factors that impact us as well? All of it. All of it is happening. So let me define. I call it the pause, you know, the umbrella. And underneath it is peri, meno, and post. Pause, menopause, okay? We just refer to it as menopause. That's what we know. But menopause, perimenopause can start at age 35, as young as 35, if you haven't gone into a, an unnatural menopause from either medical treatments or early, you know, it can go even earlier for some. But in general, it can start at 35 and it'll last anywhere from seven to 12 years. And then when your periods are start to fluctuate, and then here comes when you've gone one entire year without a period, you are menopause. And technically, menopause is one day. Then you're postmenopausal. <laughs> well, that's kind of disappointing. All that work for seven to 12 years for one day. It's like graduating high school. That's it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, ah. But in the meantime, things are fluctuating. Hormones, everything's going crazy. Thank God there's a, the Gen Xer doctors, the younger ones, are really all over this movement. Thank God. Because there was a study that came out in 2002, the Women's Health Initiative, which is basically scared women off of hormones. It causes breast cancer. Untrue, untrue, untrue. In fact, a byproduct of that 20-year study is the women that were on hormones had a 20% reduction in breast cancer. So there's a health benefit, yes. There's a health benefit to be on hormones. In fact, before 2002, the argument... Uh, hormone replacement therapy was either number one or number four prescriptions written in the United States. 70% of women were on hormone replacement therapy before this study came out. Once it came out, five to 10% of women are on hormone replacement therapy. So they've done a huge disservice, huge disservice to, to women by having this study come out and not be interpreted properly. So as of 2020, they rolled back most of what was said in the study that's inaccurate. But the 
the damage has been done. And now we have to re-educate because in this 20 year span, not only have women and people with vulvas not been educated, guess who else? The doctors. So we have an entire two decades worth of doctors and women that have suffered. Now I'm a later boomer. So I had to really fight to get on hormone replacement therapy for myself. Older, I have older sisters, more, they, they were prescribed other things for their symptoms, which they should have had hormone replacement therapy. The symptoms are so wide and varied. It is unfucking believable You think you're losing your mind. We just think, you know, menopause, marijuana is hot flashes, hot flashes and night sweats. And there's so much more. There is menopause will actually literally change your brain chemistry. So you feel like you're losing your mind, you're depressed, you're anxious, your cognitive function is like, where'd I go? What happened to me? That's what happened to me. I started at 47 when I became aware, kind of sailed through a little bit. Had, I thought my air conditioner was broken because I was having night sweats. My girlfriend laughed at me. You're perimenopause. You know, you're menopause. I'm like, no. So I had a later menopause. So by 56, I was all done. That is a later, 51 is the average age. And I'm like, okay. And I kind of sailed through until last year. Then things started to go off the rails for me. I started to get depressed. I I had COVID. I had postmenopausal bleeding. And so they thought that was cancer. I, you know, did all the biopsy things. Okay, they don't know why. I'm fine. And then I hurt my leg and I was diagnosed with a hereditary blood clotting disorder in July. And I was fighting to get on hormone replacement therapy beforehand. And I said, oh, here's my my champ. I'm done. I'm not going to be able to get on it. And the body aches and pains. I just knew the estrogen was leaving my body. I said to my GP, I said to her, I feel like the estrogen is gone. She says, well, that's what happens. I said to her, but there's a solution. You know, I'm 62. I, she says, well, you can only be on hormone replacement till 65. I said, doctor, that is no longer true. I've said, doctor, that's no longer true more times in the last three months to doctors. And I go in with my studies and my facts. They are just so uneducated. And I was like, she doesn't know. I had to go to, there's a company online of women that were having trouble themselves getting their hormones. These two women created this company. It's called Alloy, A-L-L-O-Y.com. And I filled out the questionnaire and I have a doctor who is, they're all menopausal specialist doctors. And she said, I will write the script for you. You're in the guidelines. We have studies on factor five. We don't have them on factor eight, which I have. Uh, she says, I can't see it's that big difference, but I'd like your hematologist on board. Do you know that man wouldn't even talk to her? He was just like, no, no, no. I says, doctor, why are you making this choice? Your age and your weight. And I said to him, doctor, I'm like, oh, here we fucking go again. I said, doctor, my age is not a factor. I'm within 10 years of my menopause and under 60, you can have hormone replacement therapy as long as the benefits outweigh the risks. And I said to him, so that's off the table. I'm within the, my weight. I can do something about that. And I said to him, I'm going to do it anyways, though. 
And he goes, okay, so as long as you know when you call me from the hospital because you threw a pulmonary embolism, you know why. I'm like, thank you, doctor. And I've been on them almost three months and I can physically feel the change. I can feel myself coming back. I can feel that bubbly me, myself. I feel like I want to live life again. I feel like I want to have sex. I feel juicy again, you know, but I'm also on, there's vaginal estrogen, there's vaginal moisturizers. You know, at this age, you got to use lubrication. At any age, use lubrication. And sex becomes different though at middle age. What you looked for sexually, it's different now. Most of us probably when we're younger had spontaneous desire. Usually, you you know, you looked at it, saw, oh, I want to fuck it. Let's go for it. Now things get in the way. We have a lot of stressors. You're a wife, you're a mother, you're, you have a job, you're, you know, mentally you're all over the place and you wonder why you can't have sex because you don't get five minutes to let that percolate because, you know, the mind is the biggest sex organ. So you got to get your mind on board. But if you're so focused on dinner and chores and work and where do you fit in sex? You know, so there's a lot of components here that have to be figured out. And you want to, I think at middle age, you're, you're, you, you have to have sexual intelligence, which means you and your partner are different. You know, you've had babies, you got age, you've got complaints physically. You have to adapt a little bit. You have to say, oh, but I can't have that type of sex anymore, but I'm willing to try something different and new and experiment. And maybe it's not about the orgasm. I'm not saying, you know, not to have orgasms, but sometimes it's not about the orgasm. It's about connection. It's intimacy. It's playfulness. And, you know, the orgasm will happen or it won't happen. And there's also other sex besides penis and vagina sex. Let's get over this, you know, (laughs) Penis and vagina sex last 5.7 minutes. Women take anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes to warm up. Who's having all this great penis and vagina sex? (laughs) Oh, my. Okay. Thank you so much for explaining all of that in a very thorough and efficient way. Back up just a little bit. I read somewhere that it's more likely that if a woman is going through premenopause and goes to her doctor with symptoms, they're more likely to prescribe her with an antidepressant than have the discussion on hormone replacement therapy. And I will be honest, I'm not well educated enough to have, you know, any more than that, but that statement, but what you said totally makes sense. And I'm thinking of my own life where I'm at. And the conversation I had with my OB back in May was she's like, I am not against hormone replacement therapy. I think it's a great idea. And here's why and listed all the reasons why. And, you know, I'm of that generation where I've been told for the last 20 years, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. And she's a very young doctor that was like, nope, it's not bad. And here's why you need it. So it, thank you for sharing that. You're lucky. You're very lucky to have a progressive doctor. Absolutely. Well, and you know, she she's had some medical challenges that kind of forced her into a different perspective. And so I really appreciate that and the, her humility. I think what's really important from everything that you've shared as far as hormones and, you know, our age is that we have as women, as humans, an innate knowing and our intuition and at some level, it's that advocating for ourselves 
that, you know, we're programmed, well, this doctor went to medical school and this doctor has all the answers because it's a doctor. And what do I know? That's why I go to the doctor. But we do know, and it's so important to listen to that and, and advocate for yourself. I went through this myself because I have this blood clotting disorder and hormone replacement therapy is can exacerbate it. But I had my blood clotting disorder diagnosed before I went on hormone replacement therapy. And I'm like, fuck it. If I'm going to make spontaneous clots, you can bet I'm going to die happy doing it. You can bet I am going to enjoy this part of my life. If I've got this ticking time bomb inside of me, you can bet I'm going to take the risk and go. But it's it goes against everything you just said, the doctors. And I'm ner- I was very nervous. I'm like, I had to stand up to this man. I had to stand up to my GP. Thank God I had my gynecologist who was saying, I'll write it. I think we're good. You're within all the guidelines. I follow the facts. And she gave me the reassurance. And she said to me, this is not shared decision making. She says by him making those comments, she says, I feel very bad that you're having this experience, but I am willing to write it because I believe you'll be fine. And I had to go with, I just knew hormone replacement therapy was going to be part of my answer. Is it the entire answer? No, but I'm going to tell you, it's a big, big component. And, you know, I wanted the health benefits down the road, 30% decrease in heart disease, dementia, colon cancer, breast cancer, hip fractures. I mean, come on. You, we have over 400 estrogen receptors in our body. And this is exactly what happens is the estrogen is leaving our body. The estrogen, the progesterone, and the testosterone. And there's more studies for us, but not a lot on testosterone. But when if you have a uterus, you have to take a progesterone which will help you sleep. And I'm like, my God, you know, sleep is so precious because you're not sleeping. You know, it's really a big, big change. So for younger women, educate yourself, get on board and exercise. You're not going to be able to, like, I can't exercise like I did younger. My body doesn't want any of that. Diet, I can't eat what I normally eat. My body doesn't want any of that. There's supplements, you know, it's, it's, it's hormone replacement therapy, supplementation, exercise, sleep, and oh my God, the fifth, see my mind, the fifth one just later come back to me, but there's five different components to this. It's not just one thing. It never is, right? That's life. It's not just one thing. It's always, it's always a combination. I was so mentally fatigued. I didn't have the will to lose weight. I didn't have the ambition. I didn't, I couldn't even mentally get on board to start the process of losing weight because it just, I just didn't feel like myself. I had this fucking attitude. I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's my time. Maybe this is, maybe this is all there is for me. Maybe this is what this is. And then once I got on hormone replacement therapy, I'm like, oh, 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 no, no. It's exactly how I feel. And my next question for my doctor is going to be testosterone. You know, do I need testosterone? Because that's kind of like the sex hormone. You know, that's the libido thing. You know, mentally, I now I can wrap my head mentally around a few things. 
once you feel balanced. So then let's unpack a little bit more about sex. And I resonate very much when you say, you know, there's so many things. I say it's the hormone soup at my house because my hormones all are, are all over the place. My 11-year-old son, his hormones are all over the place. And you just never know what you get when you walk in the door between all of us, even though trying to take steps to control what we can control. How, if you can share with my listeners, how does that look after you take the Hollywood out of sex? I'll just put it like that. Like it's going to be this magnificent orgasmic experience every time. How does the real world version of sex in your 40s and 50s and 60s, what does that really look like? I think it depends on where you're at. For me, you know, I'm single. So I was primarily single 40s and 40s. I fucked like a jackrabbit. I was, I said to my therapist, I said to her, I'm a little nervous. I'm drinking. I'm horn. What's going on? And she says, I was, you know, she says, you want to know? I'm like, yeah, I want to know. I was going through my teenage rebellion years because I did not do it as a teenager. And you cannot skip phases of development. So for me, that was like my teenager years. I had a lot of fun. My fifties got a little slower where it was like, I, you know, I'm having fun, but I want to different type of sex. I didn't want that hot, heavy, you know, rabbit sex. So you, you do, you naturally, you know, start listening to yourself. What's your connection with your partner? Cause that's the other thing. Women stop having sex in menopause because they don't feel well. They don't have a sex drive. Sex is painful. Sex should never be painful. Ladies and people with vulvas, please see the doctor, seek your solutions, or it's their partner. Lack of partner, or their partner is not good in bed, or never has been. And they're like, I've tried, I don't want to do this anymore. But this is where you have to adapt as you get older. And again, what you said, listen to yourself. What is it we can do, not what we can't do? What is it that I want to, you know, explore on a different level? And I think this, we don't talk enough with our partners about sex. People are so afraid. It's very vulnerable to open yourself up like that. I think for a lot of reasons, whether it be expectations, you know, the there's this root of if you're a people pleaser, you don't want to let anyone down or this unrealistic expectation of, you know, what we think we assume that marriage is supposed to be like and sex is supposed to be like and and not really expressing from the, the females our desires and feeling a lot of shame around that because if we are to express what we want and it's you know outside of quote unquote normal we don't want to be judged or considered a freak or you know all these things so there's so many layers of even having that conversation i think if you don't have a solid relationship with your partner to begin with, or things are kind of rocky, going there is really scary on top of vulnerable because now you're adding more, you know, and you don't want your partner to be frustrated. So I, I find it, it is hard to talk about. And I wonder if you have any like conversation starters, like how do you even have that conversation with your partner? Like, oh, by the way, I want to talk about sex and make it this safe, productive conversation. I want more. You want less. Why don't we have it all the time? Why don't we have it at all? You know, that type of conversation. 
Well, you're going to have mismatched libidos. That just happens in relationships. I think for that problem is just acknowledging, you know, the one with a higher libido, you know, maybe has to take care of themselves self-pleasuring a little bit more. Um, The one with a lower libido, you know, there's no need to feel shame, but you can also tap into why is that happening? If you're not making the space for your mind to breathe and have an eroticness about yourself and allow the fantasy and, and be with your partner. And what did that feel like? What did previous encounters feel like? You know, you kind of have to let yourself entertain that thought process. You know, it's, it's a warm up. It's a, you know, it's a warm up to get you where you want to go. I guess I was lucky because I got really freaky men. They were just really, you know, do you want to try this? I'm like, yeah, let's try this. You have to go back a little bit. You know, I have a free Love Your Libido book on my website, which basically goes back to what were your childhood beliefs? What did your parents model? What was your religious beliefs? What did you learn in school? How did you get this What was your message as a young girl? Were you supposed to be prim and proper, but also were you a sexual being and you had to shut that off? Or did you never were allowed to open that up because that's what girls didn't do at the time? So you have to go back and really, what is that message that I got? What's the story I'm telling myself? And can I tell myself a new story? Can I allow myself a new story to be told. Yes, you can if you're willing to, correct? You can yes. absolutely rewrite that narrative. And it is hard talking to your partner. I understand that. But I think for men, they connect through sex. Women connect through emotion. So I think most men are open to having the conversation. And this is a great question for both partners to ask, ask of one another and think about what does sex mean for you? And I would assume that you would want to ask that question probably more often than not because the meaning of sex can change throughout your relationship and throughout your life. Like, you know, having sex to procreate is very different than having sex for just pleasure. Because we're, we're, we're not told that pleasure is a factor. We're told to go have babies. Right. And then if you've had a traumatic birth experience or an un welcomed pregnancy, that doesn't make sex desirable for you. If you've got trauma and you've got fear of becoming pregnant, sex in your mind leads to only one thing. There's no pleasure for you. So that needs to be addressed up front. How can that be solved first if you've had these experiences so that you can have more pleasure in your life? And when you're ready to talk to your mate, you know, make sure you have their attention. Don't do it in the bedroom. <laughs> or right before bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't do not do that. You know, make sure you have your mate's attention. Ask him when he has some time to talk with you. You know, you'd like to discuss, you know, your sex life and what could we explore and do better. And ask him what time is he free for that conversation? Because men are very singular focused. They can only focus on one thing at a time. So, and that's just how they're wired. It doesn't make them wrong or right or bad or good. It's just how they're wired. 
an excellent book I read was The Queen's Code, and it explains it in a story format. And once you wonder, I was like, oh, this is what they do. They are going to get their need. They don't understand why we don't get our needs met, where women will wait to go to the bathroom. Women will wait to eat. Women will wait and wait and wait. They think that's silly. They're like, if I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. If I have to go to the bathroom, I'm going to the bathroom. Why don't you do those things? Because that's how a woman is wired. She's doing a lot of other things. So get their attention and then sit and ask the question, what does sex mean for you? See what each of you say and what would you like to explore? I'm thinking, and you can say it, you know what, I'm... This is a very vulnerable conversation for me. I would appreciate if we could just be calm and considerate of one another. Set the parameters in the beginning. You know, I'm feeling very vulnerable about this topic. I do want to have the conversation with you. If you will help me feel safe, if you're open-minded for me, I would love that if we could have this type of conversation. Oh, that's a wonderful way to start the conversation. That's great if you're in a committed relationship. How does it look for my single listeners that are in a different phase or not in a committed partnership, but still want to have fun? I always think of um, Samantha from Sex in the City. What about all my Samanthas out there? <laughs> <laughs> she's bold she is i'm a little like samantha so that's why i get those type of men because i am open i'm willing to have the conversation i will start the conversation sometimes it'll be during the conversation it, you know one time i was with a guy and we got talking i don't know about water sports water sports is urinating on each other they call it water sports and, he, and we were just talking about it. He goes, oh, my God, that sounds fun. Do you want to try that? I'm like, yeah, let's go try that. And then in the shower we went and we just had fun, you know, but it was just spontaneous. It was, you know, we were just willing to try. I think it's easier on those occasions because who knows if you might never see them again. So it's kind of I consider it man practice. I love that man practice. So then how about... The exploration. So you're you're talking to your partner and you're like, this is really vulnerable for me. This is where I'm at. Then how do you get from talking about it to getting more consistent with having sex or being sure that, I don't know, is it true? I've read somewhere that you should schedule it, put it on the calendar for, you know, and it takes a lot of the romance out of it, but I'm a planner. So I'm thinking that's not a bad idea. So I know that make that space for your brain. Yes, you have to plan it because our lives are so busy. But you know, go back to when you were first dating your partner. Did you not plan dates? Did you not plan what you were wearing? Did you not think maybe we're having sex tonight? I'm going to shave my legs. So was it all spontaneous? <laughs> or was there planning back there too? That is such a great point. Yes, we planned. We think it was all spontaneous. It's all been planned. So I think there's nothing wrong at all with planning because if you know Wednesday is the, our day, you can start in the morning going, today's Wednesday. 
oh, I'm going to clear my calendar. I'm going to clear my mind. I'm going to think about the last encounter. You think about an, an encounter you had previously that brought you pleasure and joy. And you can reminisce about that and start getting your body warmed up for, because that's what we have to do as women. If we think that we can go from dishes, putting the kids to bed, okay, it's time. I mean, I think at that point, if that's happening, I think it's more just tension relief. You know, you're just fucking to, you You want tension left out of your body. But if you want a little romance, you know, maybe the dishes could wait. You know, you don't have to have everything perfect. Maybe the kids don't need a bath that night. You know, you can take shortcuts. I'm going to back up just a little bit. How did you go from a massage therapist? Like at what point did you say, I'm going to be a massage therapist to a sex coach? Like what happened to guide you to that point? And now that you're going to, you know, kind of combine the two professions. I have a talking clientele. I've been coaching on the table my entire time because I have clients that just want to talk. The majority of my clients want to talk. So we talk about everything. And sex comes up often. And men and women, honestly. So when the pandemic hit in 2020, I was like, I had to shutter my business, you know, my massage business. And I'm like, I can't keep doing this. It's time now to step into coaching full time. And I really want to talk about sex. So I became certified, took a course, became certified in coaching, love sex and relationships. And I kind of been doing the dance, you know, because it's time to retire from massage, actually. You know, 26 years, I'm tired. So I'm getting ready to step into coaching full time. You know, I'm transitioning right now to it. And I had mentioned to you earlier that I made, I taught before COVID a couples massage class and it was the most phenomenal thing I would watch all the time. Couples come in, either they were very on the same page or they were very disconnected and it didn't matter because they were all leaving with a great experience and I would watch it transform. I would help these couples get their needs met and how to, it was so much more than massage. It's about communicating and, you know, speaking and allowing yourself to, you know, direct them what you need. It's really interesting. And then I put a, a little component on it sexually I threw in this time the penis and the vulva massage. And this is phenomenal. This is like uh, another component. It can be foreplay. It can be relaxation. I mean, there's so many different components to all of it now. And I find it really enticing and erotic for couples. So that's the next level I'm taking people to. Oh, I love it. Well, and physical touch is so important. It is so important for that connection. I I found with my husband that for me to just feel safe and secure, regardless of how stressed I am or anything, if I can just snuggle up next to him, lay next to him, and just having his presence is so 
amazing to me. It, it I've never experienced that before because I have never had that type of safety or intimacy with another person. And it just, it's so special when I'm like, oh, I just need, I just need to be near you. <laughs> and I can imagine, we just took a couple's yoga a partner yoga class last weekend and it was so cool. And I'm assuming it, it's like probably like the lowest level, like you're teaching massage and touch and adding that sexual component up levels, the connection that we had doing couples yoga, but it was just really cool to use that strength and energy with each other to hold each other up and balance each other. And it was so awesome. So I think if I'm hearing you correctly, really, it's important to just have that type of connection. You've got to have that connection to have meaningful sexual relationship. Right. Touch is relationship building. You know, what do you do? You hold hands, you touch the face, you know, you, you cuddle. These are things that build that intimacy and that vulnerability and the connection. Mm. Perfect. So, and tell us how my listeners can find you and what type of programs do you offer? Do you work with individuals? Do you work with couples? I will put everything in the show notes. What would make you a good fit to work with? Well, I'm very open-minded. That's the, the compliment I received. And I learned very early on in my career, not everybody has a safe space. So I provide a safe space for people. So I think that's really one of my strengths is to be open and provide that space so you can have the conversation you need. My website is aconfidentialconversation.com. My offers are on there. You can work one-on-one with me. I do work with a lot of women. I do work with some men. So couples on occasion, but um, that's where you can find me. Oh, perfect. Well, thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for being so candid and open. I greatly appreciate it. And I guess my last question is, how has this journey helped you become your most authentic self in your professional life? And how has that translated to you being authentically you? I think it's taught me vulnerability acceptance, open-mindedness, and realizing that people don't have that safe space. And I knew what it was like for myself not to have a safe space to be myself. And I wanted to be able to provide that for others. And by providing for others, it edges me closer to my own all the time. You know, not everybody deserves to hear your story. So I treasure that and I honor that when people decide to share with me. And it's special. It is. That is such a beautiful way to say that. And a good reminder for those listening that, yeah, you get to choose who hears your story. How do you take care of yourself when it comes to, you know, you take on a lot, you hold space for a lot of people. So what do you do? How do you make sure you're taken care of? It changes as I grow as a person, but, you know, physically, I do a lot of somatic releasing. I do a lot of walking. I try to eat right, do all of those things, but it's boundaries for me. It's learning better boundaries, and that happens over time. You know, even me, I have my issues. I have to learn. I'm growing. I still fall into old habits and patterns. And then I'm like, whoops, this doesn't feel good. I get myself back up. Growth is not linear. And and you're human. 
And I think that's, we forget when we march on this journey of self-discovery and, you know, even this journey of being authentic, I always, there's potholes on the journey because we're human and we're not perfect and we're not robots. I do try to walk my talk. I, I wouldn't tell anybody something I haven't done myself, you know, because I think a lived experience is the best experience. Amen to that. And on that note, I am so grateful for your wisdom. And thank you so much for sharing. As I said, I'll put everything in the show notes. It was lovely to have a conversation about sex with you. Great. Thank you for having me, Diane. It was a pleasure. Another great conversation. Thank you for giving the valuable gift of your time and listening to the Fire Inside Her podcast. Speaking of value... One of the most common potholes we fall into on the journey to authenticity is not recognizing our value. So I created a workbook. It's all about value. Head on over to thefireinsideher.com slash value to get your free workbook that will help you remember your value. Until next time, my friend.